Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 154 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is January 24th, 2011. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. Special guest we have this week, Terrell Thomas, number 24 from the New York Giants, former USC cornerback. He's been in the league since 2008. We're going to talk with him a little bit later in the show on the podcast, see what's been going on, if he still keeps up. With what's going on here at USC, and also how he's been doing with the Giants. He uh, had four or five picks this year, had a, had a good season, over 100 tackles, so he's been definitely involved in uh, what's been going on with the Giants. Been a big part of that secondary, even though they just fell short of the playoffs, finishing 10-6 and six this season in the NFL. We're also going to talk a lot of recruiting, because signing day is just around the corner. We're going to talk to Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com. National Recruiting Analyst got a lot of questions we want to answer. We'll talk about guys that are still on the board and leading up to signing day, where USC can get to, nine early enrollees, and uh, a 17 verbal commits as of right now. We'll see what that number is going to do, how it's going to grow. We'll talk about numbers and all that fun stuff with Gerard as well. If you have any questions or comments, always drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us, 206 888 6755 is our phone number. Leave us a voicemail there, and we can play your voicemail on the air and answer your question. So we do have we, do, we have uh, Coach Harvey Hyde on secret assignment this week, so he's not going to be joining us. Um, we do have Gerard Martinez, like we mentioned, joining us in the first segment. How you doing, Gerard? Hello, Ryan Abraham. <laughs> I don't I get to hear the intro all that much. Just, just at the end of the year, you know, just thought I'd get one of those in. I need a, I need a sign in and a sign out, you know, the special kind of shtick. You know, boom goes the dynamite. But hmm, if you have one in mind, we could throw that in there. We could uh, put a little production value in. I can play it every time you come on. Whatever you want to do, Gerard, you're the man. <laughs> a little intro song. Uh, we, I, I'd, I'd like an intro song, but unfortunately, it'd probably be copyrighted or something, so we get sued. So that probably wouldn't work out. Yeah, we don't want to get sued for doing a free podcast, so that's probably not uh monetarily viable. But I want to uh, thank our sponsor for the segment, even though Harvey Hyde's not here, Southern California Tickets. Uh, SCTickets.com is the website, or call them at 1-800-888-7287. You don't, not only one basketball team in town now, but you can watch two. If you want to watch the Lakers or the Clippers and go see Blake Griffin, those are hot tickets now. So check out Southern California Tickets, SCTickets.com. Gerard, are you a big basketball fan? You, you watch Blake Griffin at all? Not anymore. Uh, I went with basketball when Jordan and Pippen and the Bulls were real popular and enjoyed watching them, but I haven't really followed basketball a whole lot. I mean, I watch it, but I don't follow it. Gotcha. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone loves the Lakers, obviously, but now, finally, the Clippers are getting some love here with a superstar, Blake Griffin. We'll see. If Blake Donald Griffin Sterling from Oklahoma. Him in town. What was that? Blake Griffin from Oklahoma. From Oklahoma. USC beat that Oklahoma team, if I'm not mistaken, with Blake Griffin on that team. So not bad. USC's, they took out Kevin Durant too. Didn't they beat Kevin Durant in the NCAA final? I mean, that not finals, NCAA tournament when he was with Texas. It's funny. USC G-Night. basketball, man, they get some big wins over big time programs. And then they go off and, and lose the teams like Cal and Oregon, Oregon States. It's, it's, it's so weird. That's the difference going between having a good team and having a good program. Yeah. <laughs> they do have talent. And this team has talent for sure. Yes, I agree. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. But, again, it doesn't matter if you beat a couple teams here and there. It's about consistency, and that's the difference between having a good program and just a good team, and that's kind of the difference between a lot of the Pac-10 teams that we've seen be good over the years and uh, USC over the years. I mean, USC became a great, dominant, traditionally good program because of the consistency that they've had over the years winning not only the big games but the other games. And, you know, at this point, uh, it's kind of – you know, is there another Pac-10 team that can do that, that can represent the conference like that consistently, obviously? You know, Oregon had a really good year this year, but uh, has failed to win the big games at the end of the year. So, 
you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, that's kind of the same thing with basketball. You know, USC basketball has done some things and it's made some splashes here with some big wins and had some really good players. But, you know, if you don't win consistently, then, you know, it is what it is. You just have a couple good teams but not necessarily a good program. So until they start winning consistently, it's always going to be UCLA as a basketball school, USC as a football school. Well, USC has beat UCLA four times in a row in basketball, so that's not too bad. Um, but you, you know, you mentioned consistent, consistently winning. Lane Kiffin's got to start doing that. Obviously, uh, as the head coach of the USC Trojans, the way to do that is getting good players in. And this is the time of the year when it gets down to the wire. What's this class going to look like right now? Rivals has them, uh, unless it's changed recently. Top five class, number five class in the country. They had the nine early enrollees. Shows eight on the rivals list because some of Anuku, the fullback, came in. He counts towards last year's class. And uh, 17 currently verbal commitments that aren't yet signed. Um, so, so far, like, how do you kind of rate this class? Where do you see it going forward? I mean, there's only a week and a half or so left. What do you think about what's going on with this class right now? Well, if I could tell you where it was going forward, I'd be a soothsayer and uh, the real recruiting guru for you. I'd be able to kind of tell the future. That's kind of a hard thing to be able to to predict. Um, I think the circumstances with the sanctions are definitely hurting them out of state right now. I don't think USC's really been able to have that kind of that pull towards the end with out-of-state recruits. There's some guys on the board, but I think that uh, – you put a lot of eggs and a lot of very broken baskets, <laughs> putting uh, a, a lot of uh, emphasis in trying to get guys uh, that are that are out of state at this point. You know they're doing a good job, I think, with um, you know the guys locally. That's where they built the class. You know where it goes from this point, it's it's tough to tell. I think that uh, my gut feeling is kind of um, you know kind of kind of what we saw with the early signing period uh, for junior college prospects. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be some marquee guys that they, they may not be able to close on that are uh, the big-time out-of-state guys and might be a little bit of scrambling going on in some neat positions uh, to try to fill it in with some local players. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. I think that um, there are some guys on the board that they might be able to still get that are really good players. And um, But, it, but it, again, it's, it's, it's a little bit of kick go both ways still. You know, I mean, I, that, that's my – my pessimistic view, that's my view, just kind of seeing how things have gone with, with certain players, you know, over the years, and then kind of compounding that with uh, that variable of, yeah, you know, there's sanctions, there's uh, some uncertainty out there, it seems more with the out-of-state kids, and kind of when you put all that together, you know, you, you, you got to have, have a realistic view kind of going in the signing day, and, you know, maybe it's a little underwhelming, and maybe it's not going to be uh, the big time, oh, you know, you're going to get your two, three, you know, four or five star guys that are that are out of state type guys. It's going to be more of an issue of you know that last week kind of the realization. Hey, you know, some of these out of state guys are, are not going to follow through. They've said some things, and there's been some you know some great vibes and in home visits and official visits. But that's when it comes down to the wire. That's when it really means something. And uh, uh, with the current environment, it just feels like time and time again a lot of the out of state guys are just getting cold feet, and they just don't follow through with uh, with going to USC. I mean, I think uh, another, obviously, a little warning sign was when uh, Colt Lyrela and Harvey Lange both decided to go elsewhere other than USC. And those are guys that are regional but still out-of-state recruits. And when you're going against, you know, the, the, the other Pac-10 teams and the other successful, you know, teams across the board uh, nationally, they're going to use the sanctions against USC. And it, and, it, and it's not necessarily one of those things where, you know, they got to sit there and they have to badmouth USC. It doesn't really happen like that. I think people have to kind of realize that when a coaching staff decides, you know, they want to try to work against USC and use that against them, it, it's more of innuendo and just talking about the things that, hey, you know, we – we're gonna. We went to this bowl this year, you know, and it was great. And we're gonna go to another bowl next year, you know. Don't you want to go to a bowl game? You know that you're not necessarily talking about USC or anything negatively about USC specifically, but obviously bringing that subject of you know what USC can and cannot do uh, into the light and and trying to kind of work on that a little bit. And again, like I said, circumstances. The uncertainty, uncertainty is, is it kills out-of-state recruiting. You got to have a plan for kids out of state, and they got to be excited, and they got to feel like uh, they've got a, a very uh, planned-out, clear future for themselves. And with you know, with with things going right now, with the appeal, there's a little bit of uncertainty there, and that, that kind of hurts that. 
All right. Well, we, we've had, I mean, it's good points all around. And, you know, obviously that can change. Once this appeal is all over and everything's kind of known, the, the fact that everything's so unknown out there right now, I think that definitely hurts, you know, Lane Kiffin's efforts here. It just, it's tough because there is an air of uncertainty around what's going on. We'll see what was changed. And one of the big reasons, I mean, it's it's very apparent that a lot of people are confused. And we get a lot of email questions about this. Um, we did our uscfootball.com TV show on Ustream Thursday night, and I got to talk about this a little bit. People had sent in a couple questions, and you can actually see that replay on peristylepodcast.com. It's up there, or uh, ustream.tv slash uscfootball. You can check us all out on that. But tried to address all this, Gerard, and had national college football writers calling me, asking me questions about this, too, because they're kind of confused and you know, I, I could I shared what my thoughts were, maybe kind of get yours on this, that the way we understand it is if you appeal sanctions, those sanctions are stayed. You don't have, which means they're delayed. There's no appealing part of the sanctions and things like that. So as of now, I mean, USC certainly not going to sign 15 guys uh, after the early enrollees. They have 17 verbals right now. Um, and it looks to us like, well, there, there's still a lot of offers out there on guys you know, at their 17. Does it look like they're going to stop at 20, which is what the number they appealed up to? I, I don't think it seems that likely. It seems like they're ready to get more than that and get try to get this program up to somewhere in the 80s because there's currently 60 guys on scholarship. So if they sign, say, 22 guys, that would get them up to 82 make it a little bit easier to deal with the sanctions down the line. But that's kind of what I've been telling people. What are your thoughts on that whole situation and the number of scholarships out there and available? Yeah, in terms of what it appears to look like, it does look like USC is going for 35. I mean, that's the, the amount of uh, official visits that they've brought in, the amount of guys that they've been able um, to, to to really offer and, and recruit at this point late in the game. I mean, they brought in 18 official visitors uh, January 14th, and that, you know, of those 18, there were obviously, you know, about six, seven guys that ended up being uh, committed guys that were already committed to USC, but that's still a huge number of recruits that you're bringing in when you're already at that, you know, that 25, 24 uh, guys that you'd sign in the class. So you have to think that, you know, they, they have the potential to go past 30. It, it, whether they do or not to be seen because there may be a little bit of an option and, and and this is where it all gets into conjecture and really a lot of speculation you know if they come to the point where maybe they get a couple more scholarship um a, a couple more kids come in that that want scholarships that they that they want that are top guys the guys that come in on official visits guys that they've offered you know early in the process um and then they come where they're about you know maybe they get three more commits you know, something like that, where they're they're close to that thirty number total, or to, or twenty in the 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 you know non early enrollee class. Do you start to go and measure? Okay, you know, we could go past this point and just get bodies, just get guys, get guys that are you know maybe they're not our top prospects, maybe they're not guys that we would normally offer scholarships to at USC, but we have the opportunity to be able to get maybe past, you know, 80 scholarships total and just, you know, try to take this hit with the scholarship sanctions, you know, after 2012, 2013, 2014, and just go with it, get some guys that, you know, can build some depth or whatnot, or we stop at that 30 or that number 20 for the non-early the non -early enrollees and, 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 and go ahead and, and take, you know, that five hit this year and then go forward with, you know, whatever sanctions we have, um, you know, pending the appeal. It, it kind of one of those things where you're gauging, you know, who you can get upon just numbers, period. And I tend to lean towards I think there's going to be maybe a little bit of a scramble at the end and they're going to go ahead and just grab some guys. Um, you know, maybe they're not able to get uh, the offensive linemen that they want and there's, you know, some, maybe some more offers to junior college players. I know that there are some guys that are still on the board that USC is still talking to, guys that we haven't talked about, you know, publicly, um, you know, on the Peristyle or what have you, that are telling us, yeah, USC is really talking to me and making really serious. They seem like Plan Bs, 
and you just wonder, you know, why is there necessarily a plan B if they are, you know, they're, they're able to get a couple more guys and still be at that 30 or that 20 for the class this year. So I, I kind of think, yeah, I think they're going to go above 30 at this point. We'll see. Like I said, there could be a fork in the road where there's a decision that can be made, but you kind of figure at this point in the game, that decision has already been made. They're going big. They're trying to stock up on as many guys as they can possibly get in this class, and then they just take it on the chin the next three years with the scholarship reductions and just, you know, hope they're able to make it, hope they're able to get enough big star players in the smaller classes the years after to be able to kind of build around with more of these role players that they're being able to bring in. And, you know, the truth be told, as it affects USC overall in terms of the team and the talent level and what have you, you know, the, the talent level of the team in the past few years to some extent was detrimental. And a lot of people scratch their heads at that comment, but the truth is you've got to have more role players. I think that the last staff didn't do a good enough job of finding guys like Cody Temple finding guys that were able to fit in alongside the four- and five-star guys they brought in. They were so hungry for just four- and five-star guys and stacking the, the, depth, the depth chart with so much talent that sometimes they think egos and, and they got guys that just, you know, they wanted to play early and then they became unhappy and then they really didn't want to play at all. And, you, and it was one of those things where I think chemistry, it hurt USC some, especially when you look at good examples, the running back situation. I mean, you had – eight, seven, eight guys there, the four or five star guys, and no one clear guy that knew, hey, I'm getting the ball, build the team around me, I'm going to carry the running game, and let's go forward. And the offensive line was able to get behind it. I mean, I think USC did themselves in this year alone just with not giving the ball to Allen Bradford more. You know, because it was like, wow, you know, we're going to mark Tyler the ball. And, you know, okay, hey, we got C.J. Gable here still. And, hey, you know, we want to try out this new guy, you know, Dylan Baxter, see what he can do. That's kind of been what USC has done over the past few years, trying to kind of keep everybody happy. And I think to some extent it, it kind of hurt them a little bit. Yeah, you got to have a few running backs on the, the, the depth chart. you got to have some talented guys for sure. But I think USC was trying to recruit, you know, in a redundant manner. It's like, hey, let's just – we'll grab four guys in this class and – cross our fingers and hope one of them is a guy like Reggie Bush. <laughs> we'll hope one of them is a guy that's going to be, you know, that real special guy. And I don't know if any of those guys, even if they were that special guy, necessarily was going to get that chance to be because it was a constant shifting of, well, this guy fumbled. Well, let's take him out of the game. Or this guy, eh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like his attitude this week. I'll eh, we'll take him out and we'll put some other guy in. And nobody was able to get that rhythm. Nobody was able to be the guy and kind of build that identity for the offense. So, you know, when it comes to all this, and I'm talking, and there's like this pessimistic, realistic view of, you know, maybe USC's not going to close with all these, you know, all these out-of-state guys that are on the board still. That's fine and dandy. It, it, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it actually works out to your benefit by having to recruit locally and having to get guys that, you know, maybe they're not these big-time scholarship guys that USC would have been after with Pete Carroll, but they end up being guys that make up a better football team and a better football program as a whole. Uh, you know, when you're talking about the chemistry aspect, the rapport aspect, and, the you know, just the product that you're putting on the field. All right. Makes sense. Gerard, uh, I agree with your assessment there. I'm glad I'm not telling these uh, national writers the wrong thing, but that's kind of our field. No one's come out from USC or the NCAA and said, here's what you can recruit to or anything like that. It's pretty much an open-ended question, and that's why we've been kind of having to address it fairly often there, what's going on there. Well, we did have – let's get to some questions, Gerard, and if you have a question – podcast at usafootball.com is our email address joe wanted to know it's kind of along the same lines of what we were just talking about i still see the early enrollees listed on rivals.com as part of the 2011 class when do they come off the books for the class of 2011 or do they stay on how does that whole thing work i'm not sure i understand the question so Maybe. if you go to rivals.com right now and you at the usafootball.com and look on the committed list committed. it shows all of the commits uh, except for some of Anuku for this class of 2011, even the early enrollees listed right, yeah. under this class of 2011. But the early enrollees actually count towards the class of 2010. So I guess it's just a clarification there of even though these guys signed and they're pretty much part of this, I mean, it's it's like they're part of the 2011 recruiting class, the guys that signed early actually counted towards the class of 2010 is that kind of right yeah the, the, the difference is why i mean that's the difference between what the ncaa is recognizing um eligibility wise or not even eligibility wise but 
more um, as a as a class for recruiting purposes as opposed to a rankings class by the media or publications that you know cover recruiting. Rivals has to go with who played this past year as who's in what class. So you know those kids, regardless of, of whether being early enrollees or not, from a from a class ranking standpoint, have to be ranked in this class. I mean, otherwise we would be ranking them as as juniors or going back and going back in the books and trying to redo what the class was last year because they got Cody Kessler this year that counts towards last year. That becomes way too confusing. So you basically just look forward with it when you're talking from a ranking standpoint and you're talking about an organizational standpoint. Um, who's coming in for what class. Now, some of the NUCO, I think that's where the confusion is coming in with that question. Uh, um, some of the NUCO, the reason why he is not added into the class this year, even though he will be a part of the 2011 class, is mainly because he didn't play this year. So in, in, in real aspects, he's, he's pretty much a gray shirt, and you don't want to count him twice in a, in a, towards, you know, a school coming in when he has not played that extra year of football. If he would have been a junior college prospect and actually played a junior college ball this year, and then he would have been counted again because he could have another evaluation for this class as well. But he didn't play at all this year, so Rivals is not going to count him twice when he's only played his high school career. You know what I'm saying? So that's really where he gets left behind in the 2010 class even though he technically still signs with the 2011 class. It's confusing. There's actually been some debate as to, you know, what we can do and, and how we should organize it and who should be in what class. But I, I, I kind of understand from a ranking standpoint, from a point standpoint, and everybody, you know, is, is definitely, you know, up on that. It does matter to these coaches and it does matter to the recruits. It does matter to the fans. It matters to everybody. You know, where is the team ranked, even though it's such a mythological thing in the formula i mean i've seen the formula and i don't even ask me to tell to explain that whole part of it but um, as far as you know just kind of being able to organize okay who goes where uh, i think you know you're kind of always looking forward and when a player does not play then it's kind of hard to be able to evaluate him twice um you know for for two different classes and it's a player that's uh, really, again, only you know played his his senior year, and then he didn't play a whole year. So that's kind of what what that all means, and and why they do it differently. Um, the you know you would have to go backwards. They basically you would have to you know rank a class, and then all of a sudden go back or take a step backwards and say, okay, wait a second, you know the class of 2010 for USC wasn't what we thought it was last year. <laughs> it's, it's changed so let's go back and let's reorganize that whole thing and see who came out first you know USC really had uh, instead of the 14 guys that they signed for that class because you know you're looking at Chantrell Henderson being out you're looking at Dylan Baxter and Kyle Prater who are both spring only enrollees they actually were part of the 2009 class so you see how we're always constantly going back That's too, that is too confusing for people and really quite frankly I don't think people would be really interested in looking back on what's going on they are looking forward I'm already getting questions about junior college offensive linemen for 2012. It's like, holy cow, 2012 junior college offensive linemen? Shoot, USC might only have nine scholarships <laughs> at that point. You know, who knows what they're going to be able to do. So it's always everybody's looking forward, everybody's looking forward, and I think that's why you kind of you organize it uh, from a media standpoint, from a publication standpoint, the way we do. All right. Well, thanks very much. I know, long, a long explanation for something that was probably a simple question, but, you know, hey, uh, hopefully I covered all basis there. No, I think you did, Gerard, and it, it makes sense. Um, I mean, I think some of it was for people want to know about rankings. You just can't count guys' class, so they can't come off the rankings and things like that. So you can't count them twice. So that's how that, that's how that works. Kevin has a question on, of the targets left, do you think USC is going to get any more defensive linemen or running backs? Not running backs. I, I think I think they're done at running back at this point. Um, you know, it would surprise me if they they were able to bring another running back in. You know, obviously there maybe a guy that comes in off the radar, really good player. You know, there's Brett Callaway, who's six one, two hundred fifteen pound running back slash linebacker from Alabama, who was you know committed to Alabama for about a year and then flipped over to Auburn at the Army All-American game, which shocked a lot of people. He wanted to visit USC for quite a while, and there's still a possibility he visits USC. And he's a guy that 
might look at USC because he wants to play running back. And, you know, he was ranked as a five-star linebacker for a long time. Wants to play running back. That's kind of why he picked Auburn. You know, only USC would be kind of an interesting situation for him maybe as a, as a power back. And so, I mean, you know, you kind of wonder if a guy like that wants to come in and, you know, get a shot at playing running back. You know, USC's need is obviously a linebacker. Maybe eventually he, he moves to linebacker. I can see something like that happening. A lot of people keep asking me about Marlon Lane, who's running back from uh, mainland Daytona Beach, four-star guy, really, quite frankly, a five-star level player, but he had an ACL injury and didn't play, so that's really kind of hampered his ranking, I think, to some extent. Um, but a, a pretty talented kid was, like I said, committed to Clemson for a long time and just recently decommitted from Clemson. And USC was on him early and, and, and recruited him early and uh, kind of kept in touch throughout the process. He's now looking at a few different schools. I don't think that's going to work out for USC. I don't think that's going to end up happening at the end. Um, but, you know, you never know. Like I said, you know, with the, this last weekend coming up uh, for recruiting, it's going to be a big recruiting weekend again for USC, and there's going to be some guys that are going to bring in, and I know there's some guys that are trying to bring in that are committed to other schools. You never know. You know, it, it always depends on the level of player, I think, and when you've got a few scholarships left, hey, some kid wants to visit, and he's a great-looking player. I, I, didn't, I don't think uh, that's going to, you know, Make Ed Ergeron or, or Lane Kiffin, you know, necessarily hesitate uh, into recruiting him. Um, but I think running back is kind of, I think that's that's kind of a done deal at this point. Um, defensive line, they are bringing in Delvin Simmons, who's a 6'4", 265-pound defensive tackle slash defensive end um, from Pennsylvania, and they just secured his last visit of the recruiting process. And he's interesting because, you know, he's got Pitt. He's got a few schools back east, not real huge offers. His biggest offer right now is actually from Oregon. So USC is kind of in an interesting spot. This is a kid again, and this is, again, one of the reasons I think you and I have kind of come to the conclusion that USC is really trying to go for as many guys as they can get, period. Dylan Simmons, Simmons had no contact with USC basically up until the Army All-American game. And so, you know, they saw him at the Army All-America game. They liked him. They spoke to him down there in San Antonio. Bada boom, bada bing, he's got an offer. Hey, come to a visit, and he's coming on a visit. I mean, that's how quickly everything happened. So they're not hesitating as to who, you know, they're recruiting and, oh, we only got this many scholarships left. sounds like they're just going to go and try to get, you know, as many guys as they can get. And, uh, and, and Simmons is going to be one of those guys. So he's coming in next weekend. He'd be a great player for USC. And so, you know, if they can get him, I don't think they're necessarily going to say, hey, you know, we're not sure we got too many guys um I, I think that they'll they'll fall through and get another defensive lineman i think defensive line is one of those positions that you can kind of have as many guys and you can never have too many guys i think that's a rotation wise you know and you saw with uh, with auburn against oregon auburn was just better on the defensive front and really more dominant and, and oregon could not block that and i think um you know with usc and, and kind of the way things are going they definitely got to get better in their front seven defensively that's huge and edward is going to protect his position and he's going to try to hit as many guys as possible so i could see another defensive line there and again, you know, you come to that, that, that fork of the road, you go for quantity just for the sake of quantity, just get bodies on the roster because of the scholarship reductions that may come, or do you kind of go, well, this guy's good enough. I mean, Delvin Simmons is a big-time player. We want to bring him in because he's a big-time player. And then if we can't get him, then we're not going to take another guy. And maybe we'll try to, you know, take a reduction of five or something. Again, uh, you know, whether that is even possible at this point or not, remains to be seen, but um, that's the kind of questions that start to come up when uh, you're kind of looking at what USC has left on the board and who they might get. Yeah, now Anthony, I can't even pronounce it, Saro, how have we said Anthony Saro, yes. Saro, I mean, he's another guy that USC didn't have a whole lot of contact with. Yeah, Anthony Saro is a 6'1", 225-pound linebacker, could end up playing Mike linebacker, could end up playing Sam linebacker, another Army All-American kid who was committed to Stanford for a long time. And, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh leaves. He's looking at UCLA. Joe Barry, like, hey, you know, USC is just down the street from UCLA, and we got a much bigger need at linebacker, and, you know, we've got much more tradition than UCLA at linebacker. So why don't you give us a look? And he came in, loved the academics, loved the weather, you know, just kind of loved the whole vibe of the coaching staff, and bang, he turned around and flipped. And that was an example of a guy that now that makes you, you know, a little optimistic as a USC fan that USC is going to be able to close with some of these guys out of state. You know, he's from New Jersey was committed to Stanford for a long time. It really only took a week and an official visit for him to look at USC and say, dang, you know, this is 
uh, this is exactly what I want. You know, I mean, I love Stanford, and, and he loved the education. He was admitted by Stanford academically, so, you know, he was, he was squared away there. But, you know, UNC just kind of had the vibe, and being from New Jersey, you know, and, you know Los Angeles is a big city, and, uh, you, you know, New Jersey, he's used to that kind of uh, fast-paced, you know, kind of atmosphere and, and social life and stuff, and, you know, USC kind of fits that mold. So everything kind of fell into place for him, and, and that's a guy that, uh, you know, and, and ends up coming to USC, and he, he looks like he's going to sign with USC at a really neat position. So, you know, that's one of those things where you, 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 can, you can look at it both sides of the coins, I think, the way we like to do it at uscfootball.com is we like to uh, just be even keel about things. A lot of sites like to pump up and market, and, hey, they're going to get all these guys. Hey, you know, yeah, you know, uh, Terrell Pryor, he's going to be a Trojan. And this guy, J.W. on Clowney, never visited USC, never talked really about USC. But, hey, we can say that he loves USC until the end of the year and go, well, that's the other USC. That's South Carolina. We don't do it like that here. It's just not – I think uh, fair to the fans, and we got people striving. It's hard-earned money, you know. And this is a, an economy that uh, a lot of people, you know, this is a luxury and not a necessity. And so we want to give them accurate information and give them, you know, the real deal. And so um, we're not gonna we're not gonna blow up in all of these guys. And hey, they have the great shot at this guy or that guy. I think uh, you know it's better to kind of go in to signing day and kind of take it easy and say, all right, you know what? Hopefully USC is able to get some of the local guys, and we'll see what happens with the, the out-of-state guys. Well, we got, okay, let's go to our next question. We, this is one on uh, the big offensive lineman from Tennessee, Antonio Richardson. JC wanted to know, apparently he visited Georgia over the weekend, and uh, early, early playing time and depth chart seemed to be his number one concern. What's his status with, status with USC? Is he coming out for a visit? All that stuff. You know, the USC still, I think, feels like they have a good shot at bringing him in an official visit. They've been on him the longest. Pretty much going to come down to Auburn and USC, and USC's been recruiting him harder for a lot longer. And so I think, you know, they they feel like he can come in, get him in the visit. Again, he's one of those guys that you kind of have to wait and see. A lot of the people feel like he's going to stay back home and he's not going to be a guy that's going to come out this far. Um, he and his dad are very close. His dad's kind of helped run his recruitment. Uh, but what happened is, is, again, he's really one of the few, if only, marquee guys left on the offensive line. So, and when I say marquee, you know, I mean one of those big, highly ranked, highly talented guys that you kind of build at least from a from an image standpoint around. You kind of build your offensive line around him, and, and everybody kind of looks and says, "Well, hey, you know, they got this guy last year, and so he's their main guy." And he's definitely, from you know what I've seen down in San Antonio. Uh, definitely one of those players. He's very impressive physically. Probably one of the most, if not the most, physically impressive players that was in San Antonio. And quite frankly, actually, Andre Walker's maybe next in line there, uh, uh, who's you know six five, two fifty five. Um, just a huge, huge offensive, probably guard in, in college. Um, you know, he visited USC January fourteenth, and uh, and and just visited Florida State last weekend. A lot of people feel it's going to come down to USC and Ohio State, and that's you know again you you kind of you're on that teeter totter of you know are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? I think with a guy like that, you know Andre Walker from Glenville, those kids tend to go to Ohio State. That's a real pipeline school there. Ted Kinn Jr. was kind of the first recruit that USC had that uh, you know went and, and was like a USC Ohio State battle. Ended up going to Ohio State. His dad coaches there at Glenville Academy, so. You know that that kind of you know, can kind of touch, tells you why those kids are all going to Ohio State. Um, so you know, but Andre Walker's a big he had a great visit at USC and said some great things about USC to not only us but you know some of the other recruits there about USC. But you know, can he really leave home and can he you know leave his family behind and and kind of buck the Buckeyes? That's you know remains to be seen. I think that's where you get kind of pessimistic and say, well. We wouldn't expect it. You know, we're not going to build expectations and say, oh, yeah, sure, Andrew, Andre Walker's coming, yada, yada, yada. It's more or less, you know, looking at uh, the trend, looking at history, Ohio State is uh, the team to beat there. And with Sheldon Richardson, same thing at this point. You know, USC first and foremost, got to get him on that visit. That's huge. Um, and we'll see, you know, if that's able to happen. I, I kind of tend to think that's going to happen, but, you know, we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens. Auburn has been getting a lot of guys lately. You know, they're 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 off their national championship, and so they just got Christian Westerman, 
who's uh, you know a top four-star offensive tackle, a guy that USC was really trying to recruit and it really thought they had a shot at least bringing in an official visit. And he was committed to Texas for most of the year and uh, just decided to spurn Texas and, and go to Auburn, which um, was a little bit of a surprise to some people, um, even people that were kind of close to Christian and, and the recruiting process. So, you know, we'll see if that's the reason, you know, maybe Sheldon Richardson, and, uh, and they've got a guy already, you know, that's pretty highly ranked. He decides to go elsewhere, and uh, USC would be a place where, uh, again, you know, as far as playing time and depth chart, if those are the two most important things, sometimes kids say that, but if those are the most important things to him, then USC is definitely the school he's got to look at and definitely the school he should visit and, and look at further. So we'll see if that actually happens. All right. Uh, well, thanks for that one, JC. Evan has a question. Uh, there were some rumors going around about a couple of USC commits maybe going to other places like Miami or Georgia, things like that. Jalen Gribble and Kent Tureen. Uh Any updates on what those guys are doing? Uh, Jalen Grimble is not going to Miami, according to Jalen Grimble. He put that out actually in a, in a tweet um, over the weekend, and uh, I think that's a little far for him. Um, he does know Jethro Franklin, who's now coaching at Miami and, and has a pretty good relationship with Jethro Franklin. Jethro Franklin, you know, helped recruit him um, to USC and was, I think, there actually at the uh, Rising Stars camp when Jalen ended up actually committing to USC. So yeah, there's some relationship there, but I get the feeling he's, he's a guy that if he was going to go anywhere, it would actually probably be UCLA uh, more than a Miami or, or really far away from home. Um, so I think he's pretty good with USC right now as far as what I hear and, uh, you know, from, from the horse's mouth, actually. And um, Katrine, that's a different story. I actually did talk to Kent today, and the uh, USC is going to be in town. It sounds like they're, they're in town now, but they're actually going to have an in-home with him tomorrow. And he visited Georgia over the weekend and heard from some good sources that he committed to Georgia over the weekend. But you have to take it all kind of, you know, with a grain of salt at this point in time. You know, it, it, was it a legitimate commitment? Did he just commit because he was caught up in the emotion of things? We've heard that. We've seen that. USC has uh, been a benefactor of uh, those kind of commitments before. Sheldon Richardson was a guy that uh, committed to USC in the locker room and ended up coming out public and saying, yeah, I committed to USC. I want to go to USC. And uh, he was a, a commitment to Missouri um, for three years and they went to college as Quez and uh, was a was a four star defensive tackle and uh, right up until the early early signing period he was all USC and then bam was right back to Missouri and ended up signing with Missouri so that's a guy that they lost out on and, and and you know ended up committing under kind of the circumstance where you know at that point in time we kind of told our subscribers we have to wait and see what happens with this guy you know he's been committed for a long time to Missouri and, uh, and you know and you could look at Andrew Walker in the same situation there's been a lot of talk about Andrew Walker and and some things maybe he said on his official visit to USC. And uh, you got to take it all with a grain of salt. And right now we're just trying to get a feel, you know, is Kent serious? Uh, did he commit to Georgia because he really feels like, you know, he wants to go to Georgia and he wants to stay closer to home? Or was it one of those things where he just caught a cup in the motion of things? So um, it just remains to be seen. I get the vibe talking to Kent. I think USC's on the ropes a little bit. I think, um, you know, he enjoys his official visit. Uh, he's got a good rapport with the coaching staff, but he's very, he's, he's still evaluating his options and he seems very serious about evaluating his options. And, and really, at this weekend, he was scheduled to actually take two official visits. He was uh, scheduled to come in, officially visit Georgia, and then go straight from Georgia to Tennessee. Now, the latest I heard was that he actually ended up canceling that Tennessee visit. So I, I guess that's a good thing, but you kind of wonder why are you trying to get all these visits in at the last minute if you're you know pretty solid and, and good to go for USC. Um, the last I heard, he's still going to visit Texas Tech January 28th. So we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, um, you know, the in-home visit with Erdogan uh, and, and Lane Kiffin may be enough to to turn the tide, but I think right, right now what what USC has to do is, is figure out are you in or you're out because they got to they got to look at this and go, okay, we need a couple weeks if we're going to be able to replace you with a quality player. And uh, there are guys on the board, and there are guys locally who 
I think are, are still open to USC and, and like USC. And uh, you got to make a move on those guys here very soon and figure out where Kenterine stands. So I think they're kind of uh, pushing in and, and kind of initiating that. And, and it's, a, it's a smart move. It's, it's a strategic sound move. And so we'll see, uh, you know, what, what Kent wants to do if, uh, if, if you – you know, solidifies his commitment and, and, and makes everybody feel confident uh, with the coaching staff at USC, or he still wavers and, and is saying the right things, but maybe not necessarily giving the right vibe, and uh, they have to part ways. I think we're gonna. I think that's gonna that's gonna come out. You know, pretty soon this week. I think we're gonna figure either or pretty soon. All right, Gerard. Well, thanks. That was all. It's great stuff. Uh, we did have a. We did, we're not gonna have Dan Weber or. Uh, Harvey Hyde on, like I said, because we've got Terrell Thomas coming up real soon here in the next segment. We did get, I hate to not answer a voicemail question, though, and we do have a team question, so I'm going to play that one. That's okay. If you have a voicemail question, 206-888-6755. Jared, feel free to chime in on this as well. well. We'll talk about this. It's a question about Bryce Butler. Hey, Ryan, Dan. Uh, guys, I had a question uh, concerning one of our wide receivers. Um, I was wondering what does Bryce Butler have to do to get uh, some more playing time? Um, I always thought that he was one of our more polished route runners, and every time he was uh, put into a game situation, he always seemed to come down with a catch, yet his playing time was somewhat limited this season. Um, and I always heard in practice, you know, he'd be catching two or three touchdowns, he would be, you know, catching everything else thrown to him, but then Saturday would come around and he wasn't being utilized. So uh, I was just wondering if that could be answered. And thank you guys. Appreciate what you're doing and fight on. All right. Well, thank you very much for the question there. Uh, it's an interesting situation with Bryce Butler. I mean, there, I think there's a lot of factors in play, and we'll get Gerard's take on this as well. But having a guy like Robert Woods step in and pretty much take over, uh, you know, he was one of Matt Barkley's favorite targets. That didn't really bode well for. For Bryce Butler, I don't necessarily agree with you on the, the practice aspect where he was catching a couple of touchdowns every practice. I think he had some good practices, but consistency was sort of an issue. There were some drops in there. Um, Robert Woods came in and played very consistently right away and kind of did what these coaches wanted him to do. They, he did everything that they wanted him to do, and I think they trusted him early just from his work ethic. And Not that Bryce Butler wasn't working hard, but just... Robert Woods was a consistent player in practice. He seemed to always make the plays. And uh, it's not you know, the, the situation what Gerard mentioned before in Allen Bradford, he was a guy that was making 80-yard touchdown runs every day in practice for, it seemed like, forever, and he wasn't getting on the field. I don't think it was the same degree with a Bryce Butler. It wasn't the same exact type of situation. But, um, you know, he'll have his chance. He'll have certainly have a chance this year. Ronald Johnson is gone, and... He's going to have to play, I think, a little bit more consistently. And we'll see now, too. When you have a new coaching staff, obviously, they have to get to know the players. And, you know, Butler's, whatever he had done before, it wasn't really known by Lane Kiffin and his staff. Now, John Morton, the receivers coach, was still there, but he kind of changed his whole approach. And I think Robert Woods kind of fit this new approach that Lane Kiffin uh, wanted John Morton to take. And we'll see. They'll, you know, there'll be a new receivers coach. Is it going to be uh, Kerry Colbert? Uh, is he going to stay on? Are they going to hire someone from outside? We'll have to see what happens with that. But it's a definite. It was a situation in flux because you had a new head coach coming in. And it's going to be that way this year with a new uh, receivers coach as well. So we'll see what happens with Butler. I mean, he certainly is going to have a chance, I think, to to get on the field more this year than he did before. He'll just have to see how he makes the most of that opportunity. Any any thoughts on that, Gerard? No, I, I agree exactly with. Uh the comment of consistency in practice, I think that that's, that's accurate. I think that he wasn't consistent. I think there's a lot of practices where he dropped balls and dropped easy balls. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that could make a couple of difficult catches and you'd say, oh, there you go. And then all of a sudden, you know, a little slant pass, he just dropped the ball. And that, I think, was some of the things that, you know, he, he has to become more consistent. He has to become that guy that gets in where he fits in. He's got to be the type of receiver that can find the zone, be a smart receiver, be a good route runner, and get inside the middle and make those tough catches on third and five and third and six. That's really where his niche is going to be. And, you know, Robert Woods, as you said, came in and, and obviously demanded a lot of attention and, and demanded some balls to be thrown his way. And you also, you know, you look at Ronald Johnson being there. Ronald Johnson, obviously, you know, explosive, but also very experienced. 
Um, he had uh, David Osbury there who gave you a big body that was also very experienced, and they decided to go with him as being kind of the big receiver. And I, I think this next year it's really going to be a competition between a guy like, you know, Brandon Carswell and, you know, maybe maybe Marquise Ambles, you know, if he can get his head straight, being that guy that's kind of that third, fourth receiver, that guy that can go in and, and still, you know, catch 20, 30 passes, but can be consistent and is not necessarily going to be a guy that's, you know, the, the, the field stretcher or has that really defined role. Obviously, Robert Woods with his speed is kind of a breakaway guy, a guy you want to get downfield. Um, a guy like Kyle Prater has got that size, 6'5", he's going to be your big receiver. He's a guy you're going to kind of throw the ball high to. Um, you kind of have those defined roles in your receiving core, and I think Bryce Butler is kind of a, a guy that's a little bit of a tweener. He's got some height, but he's not necessarily a big receiver. He's got he's pretty smooth in his route running, but you wouldn't necessarily say he's a fast receiver. So he's kind of got to find a way to be able to use you know both the, the, the attributes that he has to kind of get in and kind of fit in and, and be a guy that plays off of some of those other receivers that have more defined roles. Cool. All right, Gerard, look at you coming on the team stuff as well. He comes down to practice too, folks. So it's not like he doesn't know what's going on with the team, but obviously he focuses a lot on the recruiting aspects. But uh, good stuff, Gerard. Thanks, man. No problem. All right. Well, we appreciate you, Gerard, coming on and uh, all the questions out there. Thanks for sending them in. Remember, podcast at uscfootball.com or call us at 206-888-6755. We have a special guest, Terrell Thomas from the New York Giants. will be coming up in the next segment. we got some of your questions. We're going to be answering for him and find out what's been going on with him and the league and the Giants and if he keeps up with the USC and all that fun stuff. Back in 30 seconds, we're talking with Terrell Thomas. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. As promised, we have a special guest, former USC cornerback and uh, current New York giant, Terrell Thomas. Terrell, what's going on, man? How you guys doing, man? Everything here is going pretty well. Thank you uh, very much for coming on. So sure the fans know who you are, but just I'll give them a quick update. Rancho Cucamonga High School graduate, and he was a second-round pick by the New York Giants in 2008 after uh, playing for USC, defensive back. Uh, started all, all 16 games in 2009 and 15 out of the 16 games in 2010. Um, this year, 10-6, and six, got tied with Philadelphia, but that tough loss to the Eagles meant, they, meant the Giants didn't get to go to the playoffs. But Terrell actually did really well, 101 total tackles, 21 pass defenses in 2010, five interceptions, and four for, four first excuse me forced fumbles. That's hard to spread out there. Pretty good year for you overall, Terrell. Yeah, you got one thing right wrong, man. I started all sixteen games this year. Oh, I did. I don't know why it said on the NFL site just fifteen to sixteen. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, you mess it up. It's all good though. But yeah, man, I had, I had a good year. I'm blessed. Uh, I had two years. Uh, you know, been playing real good and healthy, and um, you know, I'm just uh, excited. You know, to be SC alum and you know doing good things in NFL. Was it tough this year? I mean, that, that loss to the Giants and then the, the one to Green Bay. I mean, you guys, it's hard in the NFL. You win 10 games or you're in a tough division and you don't make the playoffs. Yeah, it's unheard of. Um, it's all about timing. You know what I mean? Uh, I've been a part of the 12 and 14. We were the hottest team all season. I uh, got to the playoffs and we were dead kind of like uh, Atlanta was, you know, a couple of teams that happened this year. Um, this year we got high, up and down. Um, I had a big game. It was an emotional loss and uh, we really couldn't recover. After that, you know, we're a pretty good team, obviously, with 10 wins. But, uh, and, you know, unless you win a division, that's the only way you get into the playoffs. Yeah, now, if there's, there's a pull-up on Giants.com right now. So if you're a USC fan, you're a fan of Terrell, definitely go check it out. It's uh, the defensive back that made the biggest impact. And, Terrell, you're second right now behind Entro Roll. So we got to get you up there. we got to boot you up to number one. Yeah. <laughs> well, get out there. Get on, on Giants.com if you want to check that out. And uh, it's kind of a weird situation for the Giants this year. You guys led the league in takeaways, so it's great for your defense, but also in giveaways. So that's kind of like a give and take there. It kind of hurt the team a little bit. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, and sometimes uh, we were the best defense out there, and other times, you know, we were we were kind of lost. Um, the biggest thing is that, you know, we didn't get turnovers when the offense was really just giving the ball away. You know, I think we just excel in certain games and when we get, you know, five to six turnovers or, you know, they'll turn up, offensive turnover, we'll get it right back. But uh, when they were struggling a little bit, you know, we, we didn't rise to the challenge at all times. Uh, you know, when your team is built around a defense, you, you got to be able to do that. So, um, you know, everybody's on, get, work hard this offseason, come back strong, and uh, hopefully a 10, 11 wins and get us in the playoffs. Now, is it cool having a guy that you used to play with and uh, Steve Smith as a teammate in the NFL as well? Oh, definitely, yes. Uh, especially, uh, I love mini camp and training camp. Uh, we get to compete against each other, uh, just like uh, old uh, SC days. Uh, all the people ragging us because we're always going hard against each other, falling and, you know, going out for the ball. And it's a good battle. You know, he's an awful wide receiver. So anytime you can match up against a receiver, his caliber, and, you know, and, you know c- c- compete against him and, and make some plays, obviously you're going to be doing the right thing come Sunday. Now, now the season ends. What What happens for you, the typical NFL player, when the season's over, how much time do you get off before you have to get back and work it out? And then when do you have to go back to New York? Uh, really, honestly, uh, if you had a healthy season and you're not too injured, uh, you might want to take, you know, maybe a couple weeks off and then just get in the gym once a week. Uh, it's year-round, man. But uh, we usually get back around March 15th. Um, all-season program start, but with the CBA uh, agreement this year and the lockout, you know, I don't know when that's going to be. But, you know, it's, it's a year-round thing. You, you work out constantly. You know, you're always trying to do some cardio, play basketball, something. you you, you got to stay in shape because it's so hard to get back in shape. You, what do you end up doing for your free time? Like I know you're in Las Vegas right now. Do you end up coming back to Southern California and spending most of your time there, or what do you like to do? Uh, I, I do both, man. Usually I stay home and uh, soak in my, my loss and being in a, a deep depression. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you try to relax. My, it's a long season. It's uh, 7 to 5 every day. You know, Most people don't understand that. Uh, it, it, it's, it's physically and mentally wearing on your body, and you got to recover a little bit. You know, Whatever you like to do to get away, to, to relax, uh, spend time with your family, but uh, that's the main thing I'll be doing for the remainder of my time is spending time with my family and just uh, enjoying beautiful California. Now, do you do you end up following USC a lot since you've been there? You know, they have the coaching change and the sanctions, all that stuff. Have you been following all the stories going on with USC? Oh, definitely. Uh, not as much as my first couple of years because I, I really don't know uh, the majority of the players, or the, all the new guys, but I definitely always follow USC. Uh, I was happy with Coach uh, Kiffin. I, I think he did a great job this year. I think they competed all season long and uh, – you know, lost some close games, and you know, they almost beat Stanford or Oregon Guinea was in it. You know, it's a couple of plays, and uh, you know, I think them sanctions are going to hurt uh, these upcoming years. But I think they got the right guy that you know uh, is going to build off what uh, Coach Carroll left, and um, you know, the the, the community that they know uh, Coach Kip. You know, he was there when we were winning, and I, I think that's would be back to Dominic in a couple of years. Do you like what you see from the USC secondary now? Did you, did you get to, to watch them specifically when you're checking out the team? Oh, man, they're inconsistent, man. But they're young, and they got some young guns, and they can play. Um, I know uh, when I was there with uh, Taylor, Kevin, Kerry, Keto, Josh, uh, we kind of made a commitment going into my uh, freshman uh, junior year that we're going to be the number one defense, and I think we were top five the last four years uh, before this last season. So, you know, we'll get back up there. we got a couple of dudes in the league right now, and I'm pretty sure the young guys will get better and better. Uh, they played outstanding all year, in my opinion, but, you know, youth is going to show at times. Now you mentioned some of the guys in the league. Do you? You keep in track. I'm sorry. Keep touch, keep in touch with a lot of the guys that you played with at USC, or guys that you know from the same programs. And those rivalries spill over. Where if there's a guy from UCLA or Notre Dame in your locker room, you guys talk trash, stuff like that. Oh, you always talk trash. We, you know, UCLA don't got nothing on us. We always uh, let them know they're the little brothers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we definitely keep in touch. Uh, it's fun uh, seeing each other during the game, competing against yeah. each other. You know, you take pictures after the game. You meet out the night before the game. Uh, Maybe just hang out a little bit. So you know, definitely keep in contact with everybody. Uh, cool. Now, one of the, the we had a few questions that people wrote in. I want to get to those, but before we do that, I wanted people to know how they can get a hold of you. You seem like you're doing a really good job of reaching out to the fans. There's TerrellThomas24.com, which is your website, and if you check it out, there's a lot of really cool graphics and photos, and you do a blog and stuff on there. It's pretty cool. But you're also on Twitter and Facebook as well, right? Right. Yeah, Terrell Thomas. Uh, at 12 Thomas 24 on Twitter, uh, hit me up. I respond to everybody. Uh, get my opinion every now and then. Uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm blessed uh, trying to interact with my fans. Uh, you know, I appreciate all the love and support they give to, to the Giants and SC and just me in general. So, you know, it takes a little bit second to to give back and you know do something like this uh, to interact with them. So I'm definitely always uh, available for that. How's the response been? I mean, fans seem to really kind of get into it when. Now these social networking sites and stuff are uh, let you let you guys have the ability to put yourself out there and, and really get in touch with the fans that are really big fans of yours. 
Right, you know, it's good and bad. You know, some fans take it too serious, but at the same time, others would really appreciate your time. Uh, just a simple reply or a shout-out or anything. But, uh, you know, you get to see your truest fans. You know, when you lose, you know, they're going to ride you hard, and when you win, they're going to love you to death. And it's vice versa. So you got to take it with a grain of salt and just understand that, you know what I mean, they're not sending in person uh, through the Internet so they can hide behind a computer screen or whatever you want to <laughs> see it. But I think it's great that uh, the fans get to interact with players. Uh, that would be something, you know, maybe I would have done when I was younger, you know, following, you know, your favorite NFL player, college player. I think that has to be pretty cool. Well, especially in New York where everything you guys do is under a microscope. Oh, definitely. Uh, the media is always on us tough. Uh, but, you know, it, it comes with the territory. You know what you're going to get. Uh, if you use it to your advantage, it, it could benefit you. And that's the thing I'm trying to do. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to be a real likable guy to my fans and, and, and to everybody and just, uh, you know, always uh, have good grace and, and just do good things uh, around the community and, you know, really try to broadcast it. You know what I mean? Because uh, there's a lot of players uh, that don't get the recognition for the things they do uh, for charity work or just in the, in the local communities. You know, you see ESPN and um, – all the all the sports uh, networks uh, sometimes uh, showing all, only the bad players do. You know what I mean? Or that you might do an article here and there. So this is a great way for us uh, to interact with our fans and really show you know what professional athletes' life is about and you know what we do on a day to day basis. Wow! Yeah, you've come a long way, man. I remember from the recruiting days. This is a, <laughs> it's great to see you doing so well. And and for people that know, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, Terrell's mom, Teresa, would always come out to practice and was just a, everyone knew who she was. So nice to everyone. It's been. It's great to see. It's it's great just to see the smile on her face when she talks about you because she's just so proud of you. Yeah, you know, I learned from her. Uh, you know, what I mean, she, she, she's my rock. She taught me everything. Um, I'm an example of her, so I just try to do everything like she would. And um, you know, I'm very blessed. She always taught me to count your blessings. Uh, you know, the, my my, my the tough roles I had in college, and you know, even in the NFL, you know, I always found a way to overcome. You know, a, a great family support and just a great uh, work ethic. So, you know, I'm very blessed. I just try to give back as much as possible. Cool. Okay. Well, let's, uh, if you got a couple seconds, we can get to a few of these questions. We just uh, yeah, let's knock them out. Okay, we just put them up this morning, so we didn't have a you know we didn't like promote it all week or anything, but we did get a few questions that come in there. Uh, based on your time at SC and your experience with Coach Orgeron and Coach Kiffin, what do you think of their return to USC? You kind of mentioned this already, but maybe go in a little bit more detail. Well, to piggyback on what I said, you know, I think Coach Kevin did a great job. Uh, Coach Olderon is one of the best recruiters uh, in the nation. You know, I mean, he, he's going to bring the best out of the, the D-line and some of the players going to challenge you. Uh, I think Kevin has that laid-back, uh, cool uh, attitude that Coach Carroll uh, kind of has. So I, I think they're going to do a good job. Like I said, they got, they got to get through them sanctions and uh, get some uh, hold, get some players to probably walk on and get a couple of Clay Matthews out there and uh, step up. But, uh, you know, we'll be back. Holy crap. Yeah, Clay Matthews, man. Can you believe that, kid? Going from walk-on to NFL superstar. Yeah, I mean, his work ethic has always been hard since he got there. You know, nobody ever believed that he believed in himself. Uh, and you, you've seen it uh, flourish out. You know, he still work hard. You know, he's an example for anybody to follow. You know I mean? If you just keep pushing and keep believing, you know, anything can happen. Okay, uh, Bart wanted to know about the sanctions. What are your thoughts overall on how the sanctions came down, everything that's going on with that? Uh, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I don't think they found any truth in it, especially with the whole Auburn situation. You know, I, I'm more of a, a lump looking out now, but um, I, I think it's uh, unfair. But, you know, when, when you're SC, you're kind of like in New York. You know what I mean? You, you're kind of the tradition of college. You know, we were winning so much, they had to find a way to slow us down. Uh, you know, if, if, if you cheat, you break the rules, you know, you get, you got to pay the penalty. The only thing I didn't really like is uh, the scholarship because, um, you know, you're affecting kids' lives now, you know. I understand penalize the school, take some of the money, but now 20 kids, 30 kids will not be able to go to college, you know. Them kids that were committed to USC or coming to USC, now they got to go to Cal. So the person, you know, the the four-star rated safety or corner, three-star that, you know, how to scotch it to Cal, and now it's getting taken by the five-star that was going to SC. So that's the way I look at it. I think it, it you know, it kind of just knocks everything down out of whack. So, you know, we'll see how it works out. All right. Uh, he also wanted to know, do you want to drill Maurice Jones-Drew? <laughs> what did you say? He wanted to know if you wanted to drill Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, nah, man. Uh, he, he's a good running back. We played against him. Uh, he had a good game against him. We ended up winning. But uh, I had a one-on-one. Uh, I got real low. And, you know, he, he's an all-pro running back. And he got the best of me. But I'm a corner. So, you know, we ended up winning the game. That's all that matters. Yeah, I, I had him on my fantasy team this year. I, the people, SC people, didn't really like that so much. Do you, do you end up playing? <laughs> do you play fantasy football at all? Yeah, actually, I do. I play with my uh, my brother and a couple of friends. It's good to pass the time, uh, keep keep you watching everybody's stats, and uh, you know, if you're a fan of the game like I am, you know, it's the perfect way to you know kill time. 
That's pretty fun. Yeah, too bad. I mean, usually it's hard to get. Some leagues you can do individual defensive players, but most of the time you have to pick the defense. But at least, you know, if you pick the Giants defense and you make a pick, you get some points for your team. Uh, nah, somebody always picks my team. Uh, we, we do the whole defense. You get a D lineman, corner, safety, oh. uh, linebacker. We do all that. So I, somebody picked the Giants. They picked me. They, I had all the Giants uh, offensive players. I had Eli, uh, Maude, and Steve, and uh, Keem. So, you know, I got lucky on that end. Yeah, I had uh, Nick's this year. He did really well. I mean, he got hurt a little bit, but he, yeah. he, he had a great year. Yeah, the injury didn't happen. It'd be all pro. Yeah. Uh, well, let's say one last question here for you. Uh, Fred wanted to know, how did USC football prepare you for the NFL? Um, right away, it was a, a pro-style uh, defense, offense uh, team. You know, everything Coach Carroll did was just like the pros. Um, we're going to step behind. And I think the more than anything, like, and I think what he preaches is the competition. Uh, the players I played against in college, uh, life, lifelong relationships, and just out there in practice, man, we, we worked really hard, and we had fun doing it. And, uh, you take that to the NFL, it's so much easier, you know. Uh, the terminology I learned in the classroom, having great coaches that, you know, put the extra hours in, t- teach you how to watch film, how to study and all that, and it, it all paid off. So it kind of made my adjustment to the NFL a lot easier. And I think that's why you see, uh, a lot of people kind of surprised how I flourished so, so early. But, you know, it's still a work in progress. i got a, a, a lot of work to do, long way to go. But, you know, I think USC definitely prepared me for that. All right. Well, Terrell, hey, we really appreciate you taking out a few minutes for us. I know you've got a busy schedule and uh, – Try to enjoy your time off in the offseason. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, no problem, man. Thanks, man. Go uh, fight on, baby. All right. And everyone, you've got to check them out, TerrellThomas24.com or on Twitter, TerrellThomas24, at TerrellThomas24. That's our show for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. You can check us out, PeristylePodcast.com. And don't forget, Thursday nights we're kicking off our USCFootball.com TV series on Ustream. It's a live video show. Kind of like our podcast, but you can actually see our faces and the guests and stuff. We had Cherise Wright on the show last week. You can see that show on peristylepodcast.com. If you want to tune into the live show, we put links up on uscfootball.com on Thursday evenings, live from Traditions on the USC campus, or you can check us out, ustream.tv slash uscfootball. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.